Welcome to the Positive Birth Story podcast with me, Swedish midwife Oasa Holstein. I have left my comfort zone in the old town of Stockholm, packed my bags filled with the podcast equipment, and traveled all the way to the US to do a road trip to gather birth wisdom from the Mama Collective that I'm so immensely proud to be part of. And I've met some amazing women that have trusted me with their stories. This is the podcast with women for women. It was so wonderful to feel him come out, to know he was there, to hear him cry. And I, I actually couldn't believe we did it. And I, I, I looked at my husband, I was like, I am already dead. And I just, I felt this newfound respect for every mother that even people I don't like, that I was <laughs> like, wow, look what you did. You're amazing. In this episode, Nancy will share her story about leaving New York for a birthing center in Vermont. To quote her, a birthing Shangri-La, to really give herself the chance for the birth that she wants. A natural birth with as few interventions as possible. Despite more interventions than she ever wished for, Nancy and the team that she surrounds her with makes this birth into an empowering and positive experience. Welcome to the power of birth. So Nancy, I welcome you to the Positive Birth Story podcast. Thank you for having me. We are in New York, in my hotel room, with the Hudson River outside of the window, <laughs> and the sun is shining, and there is all this bus from the city. And you are the mother of uh, one, you have a son, he's still pretty small, and you're also a writer. So what were your views on childbirth before becoming pregnant? Well, I come from a very big family. I come from a family of seven, and I'm right in the middle. And everyone, it's a pretty conservative family, so everyone has a lot of children, and you have as many as God sends you. And that is the highest and best use of your time here on earth is to make children for God, to bring them back to God. I no longer live in that environment. I live in New York City, and I am a working artist. So the idea of having as many children as God sends me is not practical when you live in a studio apartment and when you are running from thing to thing. Um, so I always knew that I wanted to have a child. I have a wonderful partner. He's very supportive. And he would have liked a child as well. So we were hoping to have one. And um, as I was approaching 40 and we continued to work and work and work and work, we decided to see if it could happen. And it did almost immediately. I apparently have my mother's very fertile body. So we found out we were pregnant immediately. We knew that we wanted to have as natural a birth as possible, as healthy a birth as possible, avoiding drugs if possible. <laughs> I would joke that I wanted this to be as natural and as pain-free as possible, which of course doesn't make a lot of sense. So that's what I wanted if somebody asked me. And given that I came from a family of such fertile, prolific producers, I knew very little about the actual birthing process. So in what way did you prepare for giving birth? We took a class. We have a good friend who's a doula in Brooklyn, uh, Lee Cater. And she 
taught a, a pre- preparatory class, asked us what questions we needed, answered in advance. And God bless her. I said, can you please teach my husband massage for during labor? And she did. And she said, what else do you need him to do? And I gave her this list. I hope he's not listening. But I gave her this list of things and she brought them all up. And it was about making sure he understood what I'm going through during the process, because I had been reading all the books and I was getting scared and I was getting worried that I wouldn't be prepared enough and that I would feel very alone in labor. I shared all of this with her and she said, great, I know exactly how to bring this up. And she said, everyone has these concerns. You're fine. And she did. And it was a super supportive wonderful all-day class with a couple of other uh, couples. And um, that really was the way to prepare my partner. But I did a lot of reading. One more thing that I did to prepare was that I went home for a baby shower and my sisters threw for me with all of my aunts. It was very, very feminine. It was all of my aunts, all of my cousins, all of my nieces, and no men. And my sister had asked me, she loves throwing parties, and she had asked me if I wanted games or whatever. I said, the only thing I want is advice. I want to know everyone's stories, good, bad, and ugly. And I, because I'm not here the rest of the year. This is the only opportunity I have to gain everyone's wisdom in one fell swoop. Again, you can see I like to do things in a very efficient way. So um, we sent all the little girls upstairs uh, we were we were, we had like tables set up in my mom's basement for luncheon. We sent all the little girls upstairs to decorate onesies for the baby, and all the moms told me their stories. And some of them were terrible. There was a lot of hemorrhoids happening, um, and blood clots and things like that. But then there were all these amazing stories and women who I like previously may not have had a lot of respect for. I really just fell in love with. I have an aunt, and she told the story that she was in labor, and she had a contraction, and she threw her hands back, threw her head back, and screamed really loud. And the doctors and the nurses were like, oh my gosh, this poor woman, she's in so much pain. The next contraction comes around. She stops what she's doing. She's having a conversation with my uncle, or a nurse or somebody. She stops what she's doing. She dramatically throws her head and her hands back and screams again. And like after three or four times, the nurses are like, are you okay? Are you really in this much pain? And she was like, well, that's what they did in the movies. I thought that's what I was supposed to do when I felt a contraction. And they were like, oh, girl, no. Like you are going to hurt yourself. You need to stop. Do it. Save your strength. You've got a lot more coming ahead of you here. It was just that sort of on the informational side. On the physical side, I did a lot of prenatal yoga. I'm very grateful to Chrissy Shields and to the Maha Mama program for prenatal yoga. It was hugely important to me and my progress. I also went to therapy, made sure I was dusting out the cobwebs in that brain and that I was ready for this person. I had gone through a pretty traumatic uh, miscarriage right before the baby came and wasn't sure if I wanted to do it again, mm. if I was it was interested in doing it. So I needed some therapy to, to work through that and that trauma. And Did you have a lot of anxiety during this pregnancy then? I did. I had a lot of anxiety. Mm. I'm it's, a, very, it's very common after miscarriage. 
Anxiety is common anyway during pregnancy, but especially if you've had a miscarriage prior to becoming pregnant again. Except from the anxiety, did you enjoy being pregnant? I think I enjoyed the second trimester quite a bit. The first trimester when nobody really knows you're pregnant and you're just trying to figure out where you're going to live, how you're going to live, what this is going to look like, what your body's, you start reading all the books. That was, and you're sick. That was pretty terrible. Um second trimester when you start showing and you have all the energy and you feel great. Um, that was a lot of fun. That was so much fun for weirdly. It was still scary because I was, you know, still looking for work. I was, I, as a freelance artist, I was still running around doing my thing. Um, so when you're a freelance artist, you're always freaking out how you're going to get that next gig. Well, now I had get the next gig, make sure it's done before the baby comes, all of that added to it. So that was a little, that was a bit much. But I did enjoy the second trimester quite a bit. The third trimester, not as much, uh, especially towards the end. Um, I, I just wasn't sleeping. Um, but again, I have to credit the yoga that I have a, a chronic lower back pain. I have a pre-slip disc. And I come from a very large family a lot of overweight people with bad backs, bad feet, bad joints, bad knees. And I worked like crazy during my pregnancy. I was probably in the best shape of my life, exercising constantly uh, in the safest way that I needed to. So how did birth start? I looked to my mother's uh, pregnancies to get a sense. I had read that that's the best way to understand what you'll go through. My mother had seven vaginal births. The first was pre-Lamaze era. And so they froze her from the waist down and a nurse jumped on her belly and pounded on it and pushed the baby out. My father was not in the room. It was terrible. After that, my parents really embraced the Lamaze craze of the 70s, got right into it. My mom started breastfeeding, even though everyone told her not to. Um, and, and so we had a very, after I became pregnant, we had a very intense conversation about what her experiences were. And I learned that almost all of us were late And I was three weeks late and over 10 pounds, my poor mother, and her water never broke. Mm. So those were two things I knew were probably going to happen. And we live in New York City, but we were in Vermont for the birth of the child because we had toured the New York hospitals, had a sense of the sort of factory feel of it all, in and out, two days husbands can't stay over unless you get a very expensive private room. And we decided that we wanted a higher quality experience and we wanted to be together through the whole thing. And in rural Vermont, the nearest hospital to where we had recently purchased land was uh, had a wonderful birth center with the tubs and everything and midwives and just volunteer doulas. I mean, it was this birthing Shangri-La. So we decided to go there. Even with that, at 40 and a half weeks, we went in to go see the head of the practice, the OBGYN who is the head of the practice. And she uh, looked at me as a uh, nearly 40-year-old woman, over 200 pounds with her first baby and all that geriatric prima gravita bullshit, pardon my language. And she said... So if I could, I would induce you right now. And I was fine. Sure, my back was hurting. Sure, I was tired. If I had gone into birth naturally or gone into labor naturally at that point, I wouldn't have complained. But I 
didn't really want to be induced because every person we knew who had been induced to that point ended up in a C-section. And I really didn't want that to happen. So it was Friday. She said, you have until Sunday. If labor doesn't start naturally, I'd like you to come in on Sunday and begin the Cervidil. And I left that appointment crying um, and asked my husband to take me for very spicy food and to go for a long walk on the hills in Vermont, up and down the hills, up and down the hills, over and over and over again. I was exhausted. I didn't want to walk anymore, but I wanted the baby to come naturally. So we were trying everything. Um, and he didn't. And so on Sunday, our friends came over, tried to cheer us up, brought us bubbles to blow and um, some lovely nourishing food. The best news about being in Vermont as opposed to being in New York is that I was the only person in the birthing center. Mm -hmm. No one was rushing me to get into my room. No one was pushing me to make decisions. It was all based on my health and my baby's heart rate. And that was so great. So we did the Cervidil that night around seven o'clock, eight o'clock, something like that. Stayed overnight. I felt nothing. Nothing was moving. This kid was still high as a basketball and just <laughs> super comfortable. And so the next day, they want to start the Pitocin. And I said, no. I said, how about I go take a walk? Let me let me get out. Let me you know, get some fresh air, dance a little, move around. I know my body. I just need to move. Let me do some yoga. Um, and they were like, well, we can. We don't like where the baby's heart rate is. The baby had this weird little erratic heart rate. It wasn't crashing or anything. It just was erratic. And so they wanted me to stay constantly on the monitor, which mm. meant I had to stay constantly in the stupid bed, which meant I was constantly on my back. It was the only time that the monitor wouldn't get dislodged or something. As a person who needs to move all the time, anxiety, whatever else, it actually started causing more anxiety to mm -hmm. be tied to the bed and tied to this machine. And I tried to explain that. And I had wonderful nurses. And I had a lovely midwife. But they all were encouraging me to stay put. So finally, I negotiated a 15-minute walk. 15 minutes. We had to set a timer. And again, it's Vermont, so there's hills everywhere. So we ran around the hospital, <laughs> up and down the hills, got back in, I can ran see up into that big I was, belly. <laughs> I was so pregnant. And running up and down the stairs to get back up to the second floor of the labor and delivery area. And I arrived sweating and nothing, like no movement. I don't feel anything has shifted. And I was like, hey, can I just take a shower real fast? I'm not in any pain. I just needed a shower from running all over the place. Um, but because they gave me that 15 minutes, I felt like I needed to honor the deal. And so I got back in bed. I stayed in bed for a while, you know, and we started the Pitocin. And I had this nurse who was this, she was so militant. I loved her. She just, everything was, this is what we're going to do. This is the time we're going to do it. I'm going to be in control of the Pitocin. She had it all set. She had it on a timer for when she was going to increase it, all this stuff. And then, of course, her counterpart was the nicest, most empathetic, sweetest woman in the world with a messy bun. I loved her. And she was just one big oozing heart. And so the two of them, between the two of them, I felt really supported and cared for and watched, you know, safe, very safe. So, um, but there was a point where I had been tied to the bed for a while. And I was like, ladies, ladies, can I please, can we turn some music on? Can we just like get, get our groove on. I need to, I need to do. So we, 
again, thanks to the yoga, I challenged them to a goddess pose off. And we all stood around in goddess pose to see who could hold it the longest. And I won. I won. I was so excited. (laughs) I was nine. I was 10 weeks. What is it? 41 weeks pregnant and like in labor and I'm doing it. And because I was just like trying to think of an excuse not to get back in the bed. After that, the contractions started. I could start feeling them. Um, Not that I really knew what the contractions were supposed to feel like. That was a weird thing. I thought I would know what they were. And everyone kept saying, oh, they feel like menstrual cramps, but larger or, and, and I just couldn't feel it in my body, which was so strange. So finally, I started feeling what I assumed were contractions. At that point, um, it started getting a little serious and they wouldn't let me away from the bed at all. So the only time I could go off the monitor was when I went to the restroom. So I would go to the restroom for all very long, all the time. <laughs> very smart of you. And I would squat over the toilet as long as I could until somebody would knock on the door and be like, would you just get out here? Which I did. Um, I did jumping jacks in the bathroom. I was just trying to really, I because I didn't want them to conti- continue increasing the Pitocin. I had heard such horror stories about increasing it too quickly, and I knew that they were taking care of me, but I was nervous. Mm. So I was really just trying to stimulate it myself. You were trying to keep some sense of control, it sounds like. I was trying. Doing your thing in a very disobedient way. I love it. <laughs> I just, I love it. <laughs> thank you. My midwife was not so happy. <laughs> it makes me very happy. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, so the midwife came in and said, you know, they would like to to break the water. And I said, do you want to do that? Because they said had said that it wasn't progressing. Labor wasn't progressing and quickly enough. Baby was fine, but they didn't see me progressing. And she said, I'd like to wait a little longer. I think you're fine. And I was. I started the Pitocin at 2 o'clock. At 5 o'clock, I was getting mild contractions, but I handled pain really well. So it wasn't anything that was, like, too much. And that's when she said, you know, we're starting to think that maybe – we should do this. And I said, can we just wait? She said, you know, I'd like to wait, which I appreciated that she was honest with me. So we waited another hour. Mm, good. And in that time, she did. Uh, she she broke the water then, and that was fine. Um, and labor really took off from there. So how did you cope with the contractions? Because it sounds like they're starting to get much stronger now. Yeah, so we had discussed having an epidural if I reached six centimeters and needed it. So she had checked and said, oh, okay, you're at six centimeters. This is right before they broke my water. Um, and I had started probably around five centimeters. We had started using nitrous, which I loved um, because I didn't really get the whole Lamaze breathing thing. I'm not good when someone tells me to relax. I just needed, what I needed was something to do physically that forced me to breathe. And that's what was great about the nitrous. It took the edge off, I'm sure, but it was more a mental thing to put all of my energy in one place, breathe in deeply, breathe out deeply, and be done. Mm. So my husband and my doula worked on counterpressure, and my doula was an award-winning Weaver, of course, and a volunteer doula. And she had woven this gorgeous piece of fabric that she used to wrap my body around. And then they pulled on it so that their hands were getting tired from all the counter pressure. So this helped alleviate some of that. And 
To be honest, again, if my husband's listening, it didn't always work. Sometimes it actually hurt. Sometimes it was annoying. But I just didn't want them to go anywhere. I wanted them to stay right there with me, holding me. Because even though it wasn't really helping, they were holding me. And that's what I needed. That was helpful. But the situation with the epidural was when I hit six centimeters, I, I had just finished a contraction. The midwife came in and checked. She said, great, you're at six centimeters. I said, wonderful. Aren't I supposed to do an epidural now? And everyone ignored me. <laughs> they all ignored me because I was doing great. And I was. I, I know I was doing well. But come on. Like, I said, God, I don't think I could... I don't think I keep keep doing this, you guys. I, I should probably do an epidural. And they're like, oh, are you sure about that? And then another contraction would come. And I'd finish that. I'm like, yeah, about that epidural. And they're like, oh, here comes another one. And they just, because I was coping well. And my doula and my midwife and the nurses were all, they were like, you're doing great. You can do this. If you don't want to do an epidural, you don't have to. We've seen people, like if you're in a lot of pain, we'll do it. But we've seen people in much rougher shape than you make it through, and you are doing great. And I needed to hear that. Mm, it was helpful for you? Really was. Mm. I also had a very helpful nurse who, um, when I was in the contractions, I was yelling, I was crying, I was screaming, and I was up here, I was doing this. Mm. And she she, she said, bring it down, get Guttural. That's what's opening up your body. The tighter you are up here, the tighter you mm. are down there. Mm. So open that up. And I remember that from yoga as well, that they would say that, you know, we would do deep breathing and we would bring it down in our registers. So that was super helpful. And it really helped me when I got ready for pushing to have that deep grounding. And I was, I, I, I mean, I was able to bear down in a new way, mm. I think, because I kept it low and tight and like in deep. How did you experience transition? Did you experience that or did you just go from active phase to pushing phase? Well, this is the part where I'm very grateful for the people in the room. There was a moment where I was one contraction after another and I had sort of lost track of time. I knew it was dark outside. I didn't know what was happening. I knew my husband was tired and I could feel that I had to poo and I said it out loud. Because I thought maybe they'd let me go to the bathroom again. <laughs> <laughs> to do some more squats. <laughs> Basically. Um, and because I had no idea what time it was. I had no idea that I had been laboring for like three hours. Isn't it weird hours. how you just lose track of time? It was crazy. It's I, long and it's short at the same time. I mentioned it and my doula heard it. And she said, did everybody hear that? And I didn't know what that meant. I thought it meant that I could break out. I was really excited about that. I was glad someone heard me say it. And she said... Break She's out like, from the bed. Break out from is. the bed. Exactly. <laughs> from the prison. Um, and so she said, okay, I heard that. And then the next contraction came. And I said, I feel it again. I feel it again. You know, please let me out of this bed, subtext. And she was like, okay, that's two contractions in a row. And she said, do you know what that means, Nancy? Hannah, you know, to my midwife, would you like to tell her what that means? And she said, it means you're ready to push. And I was so happy. I could not have been happier in that moment because I did feel out of control, especially after losing track of time. Um, there were whole moments where I just didn't know 
how quick, like I didn't even know how far apart they were anymore. Mm. Um, so we were able to get into a position and start pushing and, um, they put a little sensor on the baby's head so I could see his progress or my husband could see his progress. I don't know. Somebody could see the progress. Um, it was also to listen to the baby's heartbeat, wasn't it? Is that what it was? It was like a little sensor on his head, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So you could see I'd the string that. coming yeah, down. Yeah, that yeah. is uh, the sensor monitoring the baby's heartbeat from yeah. the baby's head. Nice. Yeah, so they put that in there. Um, and they wanted me to push on my back. And I begged my doula to advocate for me. I said, mm. please, I can't. I have to be, I have to, I need another position. Squat bar, anything, please, I need something. Because I could feel my body um, tightening up mm. weirdly. Like my shoulders and everything. I wasn't feeling good. And finally the the midwife and the midwife heard that. She knew I needed to move. So she was like, How would you feel about being on your knees and holding on to the back of the bed? And I was like, Great, let's do it. <laughs> and I just and she was like, So oh, and here was the other thing. I had 30 second contractions, which I don't want to complain about when people have two minute contractions, but it meant I could only get one good push each mm. time. And so they warned me. They were like, you're going to need to push like crazy. You have 30 seconds to do it. And so I did. And we made amazing progress. I only pushed for an hour. Being on my knees made all the difference. I felt so powerful. I felt so strong. It was totally disgusting. I think I pooped on a table. I don't care. It was so great. And my husband, I think, was completely transformed. Like it, He said it completely transformed how he saw me that day. Cause I'm, I guess I'm not a bit of a wimp, but I just, I don't like camping or, you know, whatever. There's things I don't, don't like, like to camping. do. I don't like, like camping. You, like I don't, you know, but power woman. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I, I powered through and, and that, I mean, I think pushing when I started pushing, I threw the nitrous to the side cause I couldn't do that and hold on and really bear down. So I, didn't mean to, and the militant nurse was not happy with me, but I threw it to the side and I grabbed on and I, ah, and I just, it was amazing. It was amazing. It hurt more to get stitched up after than it hurt to push the baby out with no nitrous. Can you describe the feeling when the baby's head comes out? It, like I knew I could tell it had come out, obviously, because it was so big. God, his head was huge. Um, and they they said, we have a head. And I was like, damn straight, we have a head. <laughs> I was so excited. And and I was like, can I push again? Like, no, not yet, not yet. I'm like, he's just going to hang there? They're like, yeah, he's fine. Don't worry about him. So the so and at that point, um, right before his head came out, actually, the midwife asked me to turn around again. And, and I was thankfully still able to push and feel everything that way um it was a little harder and i mean he really was his head was almost out when she turned me around then he then i pushed him out, his head out and i think i had maybe his his body was delivered on the on the next push so it was two pushes two big big pushes and can you describe the sensation from when the whole body was out oh god i was so excited and they they took him and they handed him to me. And I was so grateful. And I started pulling on him to bring him to the breast because that's what they do in the movies. And they were they screamed, stop, he's still attached. Because I 
didn't, I, I was, was just pulling on him. I didn't know. I wasn't paying attention. Um, but it was, it was great. And so I, I got to hold him for a minute almost immediately. Um, he didn't have any myconium. I'm trying to think of what the issue was. There was one little issue, like he wasn't coughing up everything. So they did take him over to the little baby warmer and start working on him and his breathing and help clear out his sinuses and stuff. Um, but thankfully, because of the nature of the birthing center, he never left the room. Mm. He stayed right there. The breathing specialist came right to us. My husband stayed with him the entire time on the other side of the room while I was being stitched up and could watch it. Um, but it was great. It was so wonderful to feel him come out, to know he was there, to hear him cry. Um, and and I, I actually couldn't believe we did it. And I, I, I looked at my husband. I was like, I am all right and then I just like, you know, my head just fell back on the pillow and I was collapsed. I was so exhausted. So did you know that you had this superpower residing in you? Not at all. You'd no. never met it before? I'd never met it before. I've worked very hard in my work, in my professional work. Um, I, I am very goal-oriented. I am a very determined person. Um, but I also have, you know, a nice little dose of laziness. So I didn't expect that I would be able to make it all through labor. I thought the laziness would kick in and prevent me from finishing. Um, but the stakes were so high. If I had gotten lazy, I would have gotten the epidural and that could have led to some other intervention and some other intervention. And I, I'm so grateful in a way that they ignored me when I asked for the epidural, because I was able to control it to a degree. I did. I felt so strong. I re- and I remember my sister, I remember when it was done, my whole family lives in Michigan. And I somehow spoke to my sisters and I, I said, uh, they asked how I felt. And I said, I feel like a goddamn Amazon. Because I did. I felt so strong and so powerful. And and I had this newfound respect for every woman who had ever had a child even if you have a c-section and you know it's planned you still had major surgery and like carried this person in your body and were able to you know bring this person into the world and nourish this person and I just I felt this newfound respect for every mother that even people I don't like that I was (laughs) like wow look what you did I'm just astounded that we made this person and we brought him into the world. And I say we because my husband really was pretty present. He was he didn't cut the cord. He wasn't interested in doing that, and that's okay. But he was there every step of the way. There was one moment I want to tell you about where it's probably my favorite moment from the delivery, where uh, we were laboring and probably about five hours into active labor, I, I had a really bad contraction. I'm inhaling on the nitrous. And I, instead of blowing back into the mask, I just took it off my face because I was hot and I was uncomfortable. And the militant nurse had told me, make sure to blow back into the mask or we're all going to get high. And I was terrified. I thought I'd just like made everyone around me high. And I looked at my husband and I looked at my doula and I looked at the two nurses and the midwife and everybody's scrambling. Everyone's running around. I was like, I'm so sorry. Are you high? And I'm clearly high because I've been doing this nitrous for hours. And they all just looked at me and they're like, 
we're fine. One breath isn't going to get us. I'm like, are you sure? Are you okay? And then I look at my husband. I was like, have you eaten? Have you guys eaten? Did everyone have a break? Is everybody okay? There's food in the bag. Do you, I have some nuts. And I'm, and my husband just looks at everyone. And he says, she's Sicilian. You know, like I'm always trying to get people to eat. And he's like, she's Sicilian. She's, you should eat something. You know, if you guys are hungry. So he like pulls out, he goes to pull out the nuts and the doula looks at him and she says, I've never had anyone ask, a laboring mother ask me how I was doing in labor. And they laugh Somebody eats something and I get another contraction. Like we get back into it. But it was that kind of moment where I felt myself, Mm. you know, and everyone kept saying, you lose your social self. You lose so much of a sense of who you are during labor because all you can concentrate on is this pain and getting through it. But it was like this very brief moment of time where I felt like myself again and I could like be in community with these people who were working so hard to take care of us. So if there was one advice or wisdom you'd like to pass forward to women preparing for birth, what would that be? I think something that one of the nurses said, I saw her at a party after we had the baby months later, and she said, I always think of you when a mom says, I need to move around because you knew what you needed and we knew what we had to do. We knew what our job was and we had to keep you in that bed. But every time you got out of it, you came back looking better. It renewed you. And there was something about like the intuition that I had that I needed to be moving constantly and moving in and experiencing space and dancing a little for joy's sake. And so I wouldn't get too down. And the fact that she said, you know, we just really needed to trust you. You knew what was best for you. That helped to hear someone validate what I felt. Um, and so really just trusting yourself in, in that moment. So if there is one myth about childbirth that you'd like to kill in this podcast, what would that be? That you have to do what you're told. Again, I think it's, it goes back to the intuition piece, but I had wonderful preparation from the doula Lee Cater when she said, you always have time. Unless something is really, really wrong, and they will tell you if something is really, really wrong. But you always have time. It is your delivery. Take 15 minutes to talk to your partner if you don't like what's happening. But you have to take that pause. Otherwise, they will make decisions for you along the way that do not suit you. And that made all the difference. Like when they wanted to start the Pitocin, and my husband and I were like, no, can we just please try to get this moving? You said the Cervidil softening things. Let it soften. We'll walk. Um, so, you know, it was really about just allowing ourselves to take those pauses, enjoying those pauses as much as we could, like going to the bathroom. Um, and, and also like that moment where the midwife wanted to break the water because the doctor suggested it. But when I said to her, do you want to do this? And she didn't, she wanted to wait with me. That was just a, a great moment. It was again, a great moment of validation. You know, like, okay, we don't have to do this. I've always been a person who questions authority, and it served me well in this case, thankfully. You know, there wasn't some issue, you know, with his heart or some other extenuating circumstance that required us, you know, God forbid, to have had a massive intervention. So we were lucky. But, you know. So would you say that this experience has changed the way you look upon yourself? Definitely. In what way? 
After I had the baby, like I said, I felt so strong. I felt so powerful. I had such a respect for so many women in my life. And that period after the baby moon where you're, you've run out of really good ibuprofen and you are still bleeding and nursing's not going great and it's just terrible. And you can remember that you just did this thing and you, you survived and I remember saying to my partner, um, I would go through labor again if it meant that I had a perfectly nursing child. Like I'd rather just get it all done at one time and have a perfectly nursing child and not suffer the way that we're suffering right now. Because that slow drip of pain is just so annoying. But I knew I could do it. I knew I could make it through. This is just a short period. He will nurse eventually. It won't hurt so much. Supply will come in, all of that. Um, but it, yeah, it was, it was astonishing. And I think also watching my body heal. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for having me. It was so I great to tell the story. Enjoyed it immensely. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you, dear Nancy, for sharing your fantastic story about taking charge of your own birth. Exploring your options so thoroughly and then accepting the birth circumstances that you were given that day and turning them into something positive. There is such an immense power in that. And I love that Nancy for her baby shower wanted everyone to share their birth wisdom. This is actually the origin to the now very commercialized baby showers, the sharing of wisdom and experience from other women. If you want to read more about me and this mission of mine to let positive stories about birth come to life, go to the positivebirthstorypodcast.com. To be sure that you don't miss an episode, do subscribe. And in the case you have enjoyed this episode and feel like you want to contribute to a good cause, please reach out to one of my favorite organizations of all times, Doctors Without Borders, and support them in the important and life-changing work they do for women and babies around the world every day. Thank you from the bottom of my uterus for listening, and bye for now. <laughs>